1: Another question that I get a lot, I know I've done a couple of podcasts on really common questions that I get in my community. And this one is, how can I stop my child's compulsions? Uh, And I, and I get that question in lots of different ways. People will say, my child's doing this. How do I stop them? Or they'll just say, how do I stop their compulsions? And I want to explore that question because there's a deep answer to that. (laughs) And we're going to talk all about it this entire episode. So Before we get started, though, I do want to thank NoCD for sponsoring this episode. NoCD offers affordable, effective, convenient therapy. They are available in the U.S. and outside of the U.S., and you can schedule your free 15-minute consultation to see if NoCD is the right fit for you and your child. Just go to TreatMyOCD.com. That's TreatMyOCD.com, and the link is in the show notes. Okay, so... You notice your child's having compulsions, they've been diagnosed, or you know they have OCD, and you wonder, okay, how do I stop my child's compulsions? And it is a trick question because the answer is you're not able to stop your child's compulsions. And so that's why we are going to talk all about it this entire podcast episode because it's a deeper response than this is what you do. And so let's just start with. Understanding OCD. And I just did an episode a couple of episodes back on pulling back your involvement around your child's OCD. Let me just see what that was called um, because I always forget. It's episode 295. So it's actually the episode right before this one. I'm batching these. <laughs> We're about to go to Denmark for Christmas. And so I'm batching these. And so you're listening to this in the future. And I am in the past, and that's why I don't know the order of what episodes I've done. So that was just last week, and the title was, Is Not Talking to My Child's OCD Making Them Suffer? That was another really, really popular question that I get in my membership community, AT Parenting community. Um, and people you know, get nervous when we start to talk about approaches. And I actually get this from students in my online school as well when they're taking my Course, like how to teach your kids to crush OCD, they will start to, you know, be concerned. Am I going to make my kids suffer because I'm not um, talking to my child's OCD? And so then they're just distressed. So if you're like, wait, that's a good question too, and then after this one, listen to episode 295. It was the one right before this. But I wanted to piggyback on that because the next one that I often get is then, how do I stop my child's compulsions? I think that we can be overzealous with. The knowledge that we get, because the first step in helping our kids with OCD is understanding OCD ourselves. And parents often skip that step. And you can't go in and do heart surgery if you don't understand the anatomy of the heart and you're not a cardiologist. <laughs> so that is, that is one uh, or a surgeon. But when you are raising a child with OCD, it's very hard to find an OCD therapist in general finding a pediatric OCD therapist is like finding a unicorn on top of a haystack. And so you might be on a waiting list or you might not have, you know, anyone in your area. Uh, you can always go to no at treatmyocd.com. And they do have a lot of providers all over the globe, but there's a lot of barriers and some of them are financial or your child's not wanting to show up for therapy, all of that stuff. And so you get a little bit of information and then you're like, okay, compulsions equal bad let me stop their compulsions how do i do that this is where it gets tricky is that you you can't stop their compulsions but you can stop a lot of things around the compulsions and so let's break that down during this episode so very very basic overview ocd is having an intrusive thought or feeling that won't go away causes distress it could be a fear it could be a feeling and So that's part A. And then part B is the need to avoid or do something to get that brief relief. That could be physical, it could be mental, it can involve you. Stay tuned, we'll come back to that. So, for those of you that listen to me all the time, like this is going to be hardwired in your brain because I say this all the time. So, you're going to understand OCD. If you don't understand OCD and you're listening to this and you've been just trying to jump in and pull back whatever you're doing, whatever accommodations you're doing, and now you want to stop your child's compulsions, you need to slow your roll. And learn about OCD. And so, you know, read a book. Talking Back to OCD is one of my favorites. It's an oldie but goodie by John March. I have created a whole online course for parents how to teach your kids to crush OCD, where I literally talk to you like you're in my office and I teach you everything that I teach parents that have come into my therapy practice. And I'd actually have parents who are coming in to see me take my course. I'd give them a coupon code so they didn't have to pay for it, take my course. Before I started treatment. And so they were advanced by the time they came in. And I want to do that for you as well. So you can, you know, supercharge your foundational understanding in less than three hours, which I think is incredible and important to do. You don't want to jump into the deep end before you know how to swim. And so you can check out my courses at ATParentingSurvivalSchool.com or find another resource. It doesn't have to be mine. Find a resource that's going to really thoroughly educate you on OCD. So that you can understand how you're going to approach your child's compulsions in a therapeutic effective way, because we really are at the forefront. We are the front line for our kids. OCD. We are home with them. We are with them 24 seven. So even if you are one of the lucky ones who have an OCD therapist or another OCD therapist working with your kids, you still are at the front line and you still have to respond to your child's OCD 24-7, and you have to know what your role is in that. And that's what my work does. That's what I try to do with you all the time on this podcast, is to just make you so skilled that therapists are going to be wowed by you and be like, oh my gosh, how do you know all this? And you're like, I have taken a course and I listened to a podcast, you know? <laughs> and that's, it's, it's not rocket science. It just has to be taught. So- First, you have to understand how OCD works. So understanding that the compulsion is part B, right? And when our kids avoid or do something to get that brief relief, that their OCD grows, those neural pathways grow. And that's the C part. It's growing. And then we're back to A again, another intrusive thought or feeling. Part B, and need to avoid or do something to get brief relief, whether it's physical or mental or avoidant. And then C, it's growing and back to A. Okay. I already... <laughs> I kind of went through this in episode 295 as well, because I just want everybody to start with that education before we dive deeper. And then when you see your child doing a compulsion, you're not going to see mental compulsions. And so a lot of times that's the question I also get in the AT parenting community is how do I stop mental compulsions? How do I know when they're doing it? You don't, you might see some distress on their face, but you may not. And that is highlighting the fact that you are in the passenger seat, you're not in the driver's seat because you don't know when your kids are doing mental compulsions and we're not the OCD police. And so, so much of our work is one, educating ourselves completely and fully. It's one of those things that you have to know completely and fully. It's like when my daughter was diagnosed with celiac disease, I was so overwhelmed because I was like, I don't know what things have gluten in them besides the obvious stuff like bread. And so for a week I had to dive in and I had to really really learn what things have gluten in them because all of a sudden my daughter can't eat any of that and it was the most overwhelming feeling and I imagine that that's probably how it feels when you get a diagnosis of OCD is this overwhelming feeling of well, what should I do what should I not do what will help what won't help I actually searched for a celiac course and there was none and um, this is a back like maybe four years ago. So I don't know if there is one now, but I would have loved a course. and I was like, just give me a course. It tells me these are all the things your kid can't eat. This is how you handle your kitchen. Now. This is how you handle going out to eat. I even thought of doing my own course for it, but it's not, it's not my wheelhouse, but I didn't know that like soy sauce has gluten in it. That that's surprising to me. I didn't know that most syrup has gluten in it. These are things that other people don't recognize either. When we go to restaurants and people will give my daughter's syrup and she'll say it was you know is this gluten free syrup and they'll be like it's syrup it doesn't have bread in it and you're like oh my gosh people don't get this but my point is I had I could not just say okay well take her to her her GI doctor once uh, a quarter and and then I don't have to do my part. No, I had to really learn about celiac even though I did not want to. It wasn't something that I found interesting. I was not like gluten free before. Same thing with OCD And so we have to do our part to fully understand it. And then we have to educate our kids and that's our role. So our role is, okay, now that I understand OCD, I know what parts are hooking me in because OCD will hook you in and I'm going to go through what they can be. And I need to train you. So my job is to coach you and how am I going to coach you? Depends on the education I got, but then also I, I need to teach you how to approach your compulsions and that's the key. So we don't get to stop our children's compulsions, but we teach them how to handle them. And that's what I want to talk about with you today. So, when we have our kids who are doing compulsions, and it can literally be anything. Compulsions are just anything that they're doing to get that brief relief from an intrusive thought or feeling. And so, I could sit here and list compulsions all day long because it can be anything. The common ones are like the stereotypical ones are like washing our hands over and over or reorganizing over and over. Checking is kind of a known one. Other compulsions that get missed are confessing their thoughts, confessing they might be a bad person, they might do bad things. So a lot of confessing kind of behavior. You might have a lot of researching for older kids that they're, you know, checking and Googling things, asking you reassurance questions. Did this touch this or is this expired? Um, I'm just giving you a flavor of compulsions. It might be to balance out your body. I hit my hand on one side. I have to hit it on the other. It might be having to do with numbers, has to be a particular number or not evens or not odds. I might have to do certain body movements that can even look like ticks, but they aren't to make sure that nothing bad happens or until it feels just right. I might have to wipe and rewipe for all sorts of reasons. I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Just throwing that all out there. But there's also mental compulsions. And so I might mentally argue with OCD why I would never do that or why I'm not that or why it is okay. Whatever it is, I'm going to argue with OCD and say that that's not right. And that's a mental compulsion. When you engage in a dialogue and an argument with OCD, you're actually growing OCD. So you've already lost the argument because you're growing it. And that's confusing. That's confusing for therapists who aren't OCD specialists because they can spend an entire hour doing mental compulsions basically with with their clients by mentally arguing and teaching them how to do that in their head because that is how we tackle anxiety we might reframe thoughts and we might you know almost argue with anxiety and reframe our thinking where with OCD we don't do it in that way and so teaching our kids about mental compulsions is an important part too i do have a youtube video on that i have a video on everything honestly and so you can always go to my youtube channel just go to YouTube and type in Natasha Daniels. It will pop up. It's just better than giving you a URL. And then you could type in mental compulsions when you're searching my channel and that video will pop up. You can always go to my website as well and go to atparentingsurvival.com. There's a search button at the very bottom, type in mental compulsions or anything that I'm talking about and resources will pop up. And so that's a way for you to directly educate your kids is you can have them watch my YouTube videos. If you want them to really understand things much more in depth, it can be helpful for them to take one of my courses. Actually, I only have one course for kids and teens, a crushing OCD course for kids and teens is what it's called. And that is brand new, came out last month. Yeah, I think last month or the month before, I'm pretty sure it was last month at this point. And I walk your kids through, you know, what is OCD? What is a compulsion? What's an intrusive thought or feeling? what is ERP? How do we do that? And so that's another tool in your toolbox if you want some additional support. So you can find all that at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. So once we see a compulsion and once we recognize it, the first thing that we can do is say, am I a participant in this? So recognizing that you have a role to play. Now, sometimes parents get confused about this. So the obvious involvement is They want me to answer something or they want me to say something or they want me to do something. And so if they want me to wipe something down or touch something for them or clean something for them or physically do something for them, open a door for them, then I am part of the compulsion. I'm part of the B that is going to grow the C that's going to make the A worse, right? And so that's a role I can do. I can slowly pull back my accommodations and listen to episode 295 and how to do that in a loving, compassionate way but that is something I can do. And so how can I stop my child's compulsions? I can't, but I can interrupt them because I'm part of it. Does that mean that OCD won't be creative and find a way to circumvent my involvement? No, OCD will be creative and it will circumvent your involvement, but you have taken out your role in it, which is something that you can control and you can do. You can do it systematically. There is Ellie Lebowitz's space program, which is a parent only approach to pulling back accommodations. And that is an approach I actually do have. I don't mean to like keep going on about my courses, but I do have a course, a study guide course on his approach, or you can read his book and it's called breaking free from childhood anxiety and OCD. And so you can check that out, but you can systematically pull back your involvement in those things, but then parents get a little fuzzy on some other stuff. And it gets a little bit gray as far as what is an accommodation and what is, you know, it's their own issue. I don't like to physically force my kids not to do a compulsion because that's not them learning. It's not them feeling empowered. It's not them having agency to approach OCD, how they are wanting to approach it in that moment. It's me taking over the wheel and driving the car. And so there are some things that we can do. If I'm the one that's providing the soap, I'm buying the soap. And so I'm part of that in the sense that I'm providing soap for the family. And so could I say, this is your bottle for the week. And if it, if it's done, it's done until the following week. Yeah, I can do that. It's not like a complete direct involvement. So it becomes very easy when our kids are saying to us, mom, is is this expired? Or do you think this is okay to eat? It's obvious that We are part of the compulsion because when we answer that, it's obvious that we're part of it. But when our kids are washing their hands over and over and we're not really involved in it, but we are providing the toilet paper or we're providing the soap or we're providing the detergent or we're washing the clothes, what's our involvement in it? You can look at that and you can say, is there something I can pull back in this? I'm providing the soap. I don't have to provide the soap. I can start to develop boundaries around that. Uh, you can go pretty extreme depending on your comfort level and where your child is at. And obviously if you have a therapist, talk to them, but if my child is taking hours and hours of showers and it's my water bill. And, and so I approach it to kids and it depends on where you're at. It's not like you're going to pull all this stuff back, cold Turkey. There's a process for this. And that's why you have to Educate yourself, ideally, you have an OCD therapist you're working with, and if not, you're taking the patience and time to learn these things before you start implementing them. But if I'm having a huge water bill because my child's taking three, four, five hour showers, I can say from now on, I love you. I don't like to see you get you know trapped in the shower, and I'm gonna turn the water off after two hours or three hours. I might start really big, you know. And just put a little boundary on it and then bring it in from over time. Or I'm gonna give you a little cup of shampoo, you know, so that you that's the only kind of that's the only shampoo you get. We can uh, modulate the supplies that we have in our house, the toilet paper, the shampoo, the soaps, the laundry detergent. We can also control the water, we can control the Wi-Fi. So there are things that we can control. I can turn off the Wi-Fi if you're overchecking or there's some compulsive behavior. I can turn off the water in the house. Um if you live in an apartment, you will have a hard time doing that, but there are sometimes ways for us to turn off things that seem hard to turn off. That is pulling back an accommodation because you're the one that pays for the water bill, right? If I am doing five loads of laundry every day because you need to change your contaminated clothes all the time, then I then you're going to do it. You know, that might be one of my ways of pulling back the accommodation is then you're going to do it. And It's not a punishment. It is for us one to not um, be in cahoots with OCD and and inadvertently grow it by by participating in it. If my child was a drug addict, I wouldn't be going and buying their crack and giving it to them. And you know, it's the same thing on some weird level. I mean, obviously, those are two very different situations. Our kids are not drug addicts, but I'm not going to supply the thing that's going to hurt your brain. You know, and over time, I'm going to pull back. I'm not going to do a cold turkey because just like, you know, you wouldn't go cold turkey with anything, but systematically I'm going to pull back and that's going to help you. And I'm going to frame it to my kid that I love you. They're not going to get it. <laughs> so you're going to get anger. You know, parents also have this question for me that they say, like, my kids get so angry about it. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. Because OCD is going to have a tantrum because you're pulling back something and then they're having to sit with the discomfort, which actually creates long term success. And so I'm going to say to them, I love you and I don't want to participate in growing your OCD. It's my water bill. I pay for the water. And so I'm going to turn the water off after X, Y, and Z hours or minutes. Or we can put a timer in, you know, and we can set a limit and then you're going to have to get out. But you, you know, you have to be careful. You don't want to set yourself up for, A tug of war, a physical tug of war. And so I try not to set boundaries where I'm physically going to have to go in and turn off the water. If I'm going to have a combative, aggressive kid that we don't want to get into a physical altercation. So you want to really be really careful and cognizant of what you are presenting and suggesting as a boundary. If you feel like it's going to get physical, you want to avoid any kind of physical altercation. Okay. So when we get back, I'm going to talk about some other things that we can do around our child's compulsions. I'm going to talk about how we can use that as data and how we can empower our kids to help themselves. So stay tuned. I'll be right back. It's time we put help directly in our kids' hands. Introducing Crushing OCD Course for Kids and Teens.
0: It was way more helpful than all the other therapy we've ever done because we didn't really know what to do. So we weren't really doing it before. So the course helped to figure out what the exposures are and how to do them. We're not in therapy and find it really hard um, to find an ERP trained therapist here. Um, So we're currently with like the public health service, but again, they don't seem to be trained in ERP. It's filled that gap that we don't have that was
1: desperately needed. This was really well-timed for us to use between therapists and to help us like start get off to a good start with this new practice.
0: It was easy to use. Um, I was able to do it from my phone or also on the computer. There's different ages, you know, so there were younger kids, there were teenagers. And um, so that was really nice, too, to have a variety of ages where it wasn't just geared towards younger kids or older kids.
1: It was a nice variety. It's helpful for our kids to hear it from this like third party as opposed to just us saying it.
0: I really like the offense and defense method. I love working on poking at OCD while it's sleeping. It makes it a little bit easier to do and it's kind of fun. (laughs) I'm planning on using it to work on my uh, fear of like holding or touching batteries and stuff like that. So it was really helpful. And I think a lot of other kids would like it. I thought that I was like the only one who had worrying about the weather and stuff. And then there was somebody else on there who worried about the same thing, which was really helpful. Seems less scary to work on stuff now that I've watched this class and I'm more interested to work on it. I like trying to do more exposures still and going to, before I wasn't, I just didn't want to do them. I've worked on some of my bigger compulsions and been successful. I realized that it was helpful to do like the exposures. Before it was like really, really hard. It's still hard, but it's helpful to know that I need to do them. Before there would be a lot of battles about it. So it is definitely less loggerheads. Really, really good course and super helpful. Definitely would recommend this. It's really easy to follow. It's nice bite-sized videos. I really like the worksheets that go along with it. And I think it's really helpful.
1: To learn more about this course and register your child or teen, go to atparentingsurvivalschool.com. Well, welcome back. So we talked about pulling back our role and, and now I want to move into two other areas. So the other thing we can do when we have our kids doing their compulsions is use that as data. And so it's so helpful for us to understand our kids' core fears or core feelings. It's important to not get stuck on that in the sense that you feel like that's all you need to know. There is a danger in that. You know, I've had a lot of parents in who've taken my courses and they only want to take my moral OCD course and they have no understanding of OCD at all. They just know that their child has moral OCD, they worry about being a bad person, they heard maybe a podcast or someone diagnosed them and they just want to know about moral OCD. How do I treat moral OCD? And I have an advanced class on moral OCD that I created as a supplement for my bigger OCD class because people have a hard time understanding how to apply what we teach in the OCD class. Even though I do have examples for moral OCD, they they don't know how to apply it to moral OCD, which doesn't make any sense because it's the same thing. It's plug and play. But I created like a little advanced class on materials you can use and scripts you can use and videos to show your kids. And it it really bugs me when I see someone taking that course and they'll ask a question and I can tell they don't know anything about OCD. And then it scares me. I feel like I should get rid of that class. But there's so many people who use it as a really good supplement. My point is you don't want to get blinders and only say, okay, my child has moral OCD. No, it's a million different flavors, but it's all ice cream. It still melts, it's still cold, and it will change over time. You might have moral right now, and then you have issues with symmetry or you have existential issues. It can change and look different at any time. And so you don't wanna get stuck on the core fear, core feeling. However, having said that, it's really helpful to come up with very specific exposures. And so at the crux of OCD treatment, What I teach you as parents in my courses and what I teach kids in my courses and in my community and what therapists teach in general is, you know, there's offense and defense. I actually have a YouTube video on that. If you actually just type in the keyword offense in my YouTube channel, it will pop up, but we want to teach our kids that there's defense, you know, how they're responding to OCD. So OCD is giving me an intrusive thought or feeling, and it wants me to do or avoid something, the compulsion. And now what do I do? And so when OCD is knocking on my door, that's defense. I'm going to defend myself. And how am I going to defend myself from OCD? What action am I going to take? There's a decision to make in that moment. And we want to teach our kids that. And then there's offense. And so now OCD is not knocking on my door, but I want to go to the OCD gym and build up my muscles. And this is a good opportunity. I want to go to the gym every day. And so when OCD is not bugging me, I want to bug it. I want to purposely trigger my OCD. So, that I can learn how to sit with the discomfort that it will bring and build my tolerance for that. So, that when I do get an intrusive thought or feeling, I have practiced, I've gone to the OCD gym, my muscles are strong, and I can handle the discomfort without doing the compulsion. And so, offense and defense are both equally important. And there's something that we have to work on. It's a practice, it's a practice that we have to do every day, even when OCD is really quiet and even when OCD is really big. And so when we are doing offense and we're creating an exposure, we're doing ERP, which is a CBT type of therapy for exposure response prevention. It's a type of CBT and we can do exposures at home. I do exposures at home with my kids, you know, all the time, the more specific, the better. And so if I have a child who is doing all these compulsions it can tell me a lot about what their core fear is. And if I know what their core fear is, so, and I'm going to give you a concrete example in a second. If I know what their core fear is, then I, I can craft a much more effective exposure. And so let me give you an example because a lot of times in my membership community, parents will say, cause they can, they can talk to me. So they, we have a member forum on my website. And so they can like talk to me back and forth on the forums and. Parents will ask me, they'll say, okay, well, my child is doing this compulsion. They're spitting, and I don't know why they're spitting. So what what kind of exposure do you think I should do for spitting? Well, I have no idea (laughs) because you just told me your child has a fever, and then how do you treat the illness? I have no idea, right? So a compulsion is a fever. It's a symptom, and I actually literally type that a lot on my forums. I'll say, you know, compulsions are fevers. They're symptoms. It's not telling you what the illness is. You might have the flu. You might have scarlet fever. You might have, you know, an infection. Like, I have no idea. And I can have five kids spitting. And the reason why they're spitting, the intrusive thought or feeling that they're having, can be five different reasons. So I might have a kid who's spitting, and it might be because he feels like there is something contaminated in his mouth. I might have a kid who's spitting and he might feel like he had a really bad thought and he wanted to spit it out. Um, I might have a kid who's spitting and it's because the saliva feels weirdness in his mouth and it doesn't feel just right. So he's got to spit it out. Those are three very different reasons, right? I might have a kid who's spitting because he feels like, you know, if he doesn't, he might throw up. He's got a metaphobia. So I just described four different core fears, four different subtypes of OCD. So. You know, one kid had moral OCD, one kid had just right OCD, one kid had emetophobia, the fear of throwing up. And I can't remember what the other one was. One kid had just right OCD, right? And it's not that they have just right OCD, you know, like they have the flu. It's like, that's just a flavor of how their OCD is showing up. And so compulsions in and of themselves, you can't develop exposures from a compulsion. You can develop a defense approach. This is how I'm going to approach this. And we'll talk about that in a second. That's the last point I want to bring up but it's not going to tell me how to do offense because it's just a symptom and so if i know okay well these are the things that you're doing you're spitting whenever you feel like you had a bad thought in your head you confess to me and you ask me if you know you know saying shoot is a bad word because you're worried about saying bad words you hold your fingers down because you're afraid you might you know pull out your middle finger inadvertently and you don't want to do that. You can't watch TV because you're afraid that you might um, stare at something inappropriate, or you might look at private parts. And so those are four examples of compulsions that look perhaps really different. You know, I'm avoiding something on TV. I'm avoiding TV. I'm spitting. That's a behavior. I'm confessing. I can't remember what the last one was because I have no memory. So I'm doing very different things. But when I look at that compulsion and I play detective, I say, well, what are all those things telling me? Well, you know, I don't want to watch TV because I'm afraid I'm going to look at private parts. And if I look at private parts, I feel like I'm a bad perverted person. I am asking my mom if saying shoot is a bad word because I don't want to be a bad person. I don't want to say anything bad. Um, I'm spitting when I have a bad thought to get it out of my mouth. And so I'm doing things to avoid being a bad person. And so the core fear or part of the core fear is I'm worried I'm a bad person. That's moral OCD. You don't always have to have a cute little title for it. It's just like, what's the core fear? You can go a little bit farther if you want. What What's the worst part about being a bad person? And it, it's different for each kid. It might be, I'm afraid I'm going to go to hell. It might be, I'm afraid that I'll be all alone. It might be afraid I'm going to go to jail. That can help. It doesn't, you don't really have to know that, but it can help. And so then when I'm going to go and craft an exposure, I might say, Okay, let's do an exposure. And don't start doing exposures until you do your homework and really have a good foundational knowledge about this stuff. I think there's nothing more dangerous than parents just jumping in and doing these things ad hoc without really spending the time. You don't have to commit a lot of time, but spending some time fully understanding what OCD is and how to do proper exposures, either by getting some help with a therapist modeling it for you or taking a course, reading a book, and fully understanding it. But I might do an exposure where I might have, you know, someone purposely say, shoot. So they might, we might role play and they might say, oh, shoot. And then I might role play back with their agreement and say something like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you said that word. That's a bad word. You're such a bad person. And I'm getting to their core fear, right? And then if their core fear is that God's going to be disappointed, then I might add a little sprinkle of that as the exposure grows, because sometimes we start with something simple and we add layers to it as they can tolerate more distress. And so then I might say, oh gosh, I'm sure God would be really disappointed about that. If that's their core fear, or if they're not religious, my kids have moral OCD and it's not about God. It's about just being a good person. And so I might sprinkle in there, oh, I'm so disappointed in you because that might be their core fear. When my son's doing exposures and he's trying to eat, there have been times where I You know, one of his core fears is that he's going to choke. And so, as he's eating something to do an exposure and he's been doing it for a long time, I will layer it with a comment that will say something like, Oh gosh, I really hope you don't choke on that. Well, if that's not his core fear, I wouldn't say it. It wouldn't make any sense. So, understanding the core fear can be a lot of good information to make more effective exposures down the road. So, how do I stop my child's compulsion? You can't, but can you use it as data? Yeah. Can you see your involvement in it? Yes. And then can you coach them? Absolutely. And that's the final part I want to talk to you about. And so the last piece of this puzzle is you can't stop them, but you can coach them. Now you don't want to be the OCD police and hover over them every time they're doing compulsion. And you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the genetic tree. I say that a lot. And so a lot of us, including myself, have our own mental health issues, you know I have you know I could have debilitating anxiety at times. I have had acute social anxiety disorder. I'm like a recovering socially anxious person. it'll always be part of me, and it is it is my baseline to be anxious and so I'm not the only one. A lot of people in my community have their own struggles, are anxious parents and are really concerned about your child having OCD and they really want to nip it in the bud and um, they're bringing a lot of anxiety to the table. And when you bring a lot of anxiety to the table, you see your child doing a compulsion and it's triggering and it can cause a lot of uh, anxiety in yourself because when you hear compulsions are growing those neural pathways, it's like almost, it's like watching your child bang their head. It can feel that way for some of you where you see your child doing compulsion and it's like, you know, they're damaging their brain. And I think you have to take a step back and realize that it can all be undone. Neural pathways grow and they can get smaller and neuroplasticity works both ways. And so it's important to not feel like you have like a finite amount of time. You have plenty of time. I've seen people who are so acute. A lot of the OCD advocates have Horrific stories. Um, if you go to Instagram and you follow some of these younger OCD advocates, not some of them aren't even like that young, not to put them down. I, mean, I don't know why I said younger because there's a lot of like hip OCD advocates that are very cool, much cooler than me. And they have incredible stories of the things that they have gone through. And not only have they learned how to cope with their OCD, but they are helping other people. And that's inspiring. And so, you know, go to Instagram and look at some of these advocates who are doing amazing work because they have come from the depths of darkness themselves. And, and so that's a good reminder that no matter how debilitating OCD is for your kids, there is always hope. And so you are going to see them doing compulsions and you're not gonna be able to stop each one. And if you try, you're going to drive your kid crazy and their OCD is going to go undercover. And when OCD goes undercover, You lose communication, you lose trust, and your child is doing compulsions out of your view. And then you have really no clue about what's going on, how bad it is, and how to help. We don't want that. And so the goal is to educate your kids through therapy. You know, go to treatmyocd.com, no CD. If you can't find a therapist or you're waiting for a therapist, get a course or a book, watch YouTube. But educating your kids, because the first step is for them to understand, fully understand what OCD is. That's our job. Our job, um, and you might say, well, it's a therapist's job. It is, but it's not like there's an OCD therapist on every corner. And we should we should not wait because sitting around waiting while OCD grows bigger and bigger and becomes more hardwired in your kids' brains, it's just not something to do. Compulsions will happen and and we can't stop that all the time. But not doing anything, that's not a good choice in my opinion. And so I want my child to fully understand what OCD is first, you know, that they understand that it's an intrusive thought or feeling, and I want them to understand the different flavors that can show up. And yes, that might rock the boat. Parents don't like that. They get nervous. I don't say parents. Some parents get nervous about that. I did do a whole podcast episode on our OCD themes contagious (laughs) because education is, is power. And the more our kids understand all the many different ways OCD can show up the better long-term. And then we want them to understand compulsions and offense and defense. And when they are getting an intrusive thought or feeling, they have a decision to make in that moment. In my OCD class, in both my classes, so the parent one and the kid one, I talk about levels and I talk about, you know, when OCD shows up, you choose what level you're going to attack it with. You know, and so you can just recognize it's OCD. And that's that's great, just saying okay, I'm about to do this compulsion and I understand that I'm growing my OCD. That's great. They don't have to say it out loud, but that awareness is very helpful. And the second level, which is a little bit more powerful, is delaying it. I feel like I have to ask you a question. You know, I want to know if this is expired or not, but I'm going to delay asking you for five minutes and sit with this discomfort. I want to go wash my hands. I'm going to delay it for a few minutes or a few seconds. Um, Delaying whatever compulsion that's an action. That's a good step. You can't always delay everything because it doesn't fit for all compulsions, but for some of them, that's a really effective thing because the longer you're making OCD wait, the more powerful you're getting. And then the third one is ignore. And so if I can delay, I might move into ignore where I'm not going to do that compulsion. I'm going to sit with my discomfort. It's defense because OCD is the one knocking, um, but it's really powerful. And then lastly, if OCD wants me to do something, I might do the opposite. And that's an incredibly powerful. It's similar to an exposure because I'm doing something on purpose to upset OCD, but OCD started it. <laughs> you know? And that sounds like a, like a little childish thing to say, OCD started it. But that is the difference between offense and defense. And a lot of people start with defense for quite a while before they're able to start with offense. In my therapy practice, I felt like Ultimately, the goal was to get people to do offense and defense, that both were equally important. Defense is more important in the beginning because how you show up for your exposures are really important. So, I might work on, you know, we're going to do exposures just on you feeling like you're a bad person, but you might have multiple OCD themes about lots of different things. And I want you to be playing defense at home throughout the day for all OCD stuff. And so, we, we might be targeting. You know, moral OCD, we might be targeting your feeling of being a bad person because that's the thing that's most disruptive for you. And so, we might be doing one exposure a day on feeling like a bad person. But throughout the day, you're going to be doing defense. And so, no matter what theme or intrusive thought or feeling pops up, whether it's under that umbrella of feeling like a bad person or not, you are going to always ask yourself, "How do I want to respond to this compulsion?" I'm feeling an itch to do do a compulsion. How do I want to respond with that? Can I delay it? And then, oh, I've delayed it for a little while. Can I ignore it? I ignored it for a little while. Maybe can I do the opposite? Can I go back and touch the thing OCD doesn't want me to touch? Um, Instead of washing my hands, now I'm not washing my hands. I ignored that. But now can I go back and touch the thing that made me want to wash my hands to begin with? That takes time. And we're not, as parents, there to babysit every step of the way. We want to teach our kids offense and defense. We want to teach our kids the levels. I talk about level one, two, three, four, and five. And I I I talk about the OCD game and I give analogies in my courses to teach kids. So teaching your kids how to do that is really important. And then you're not going to hover every time they're doing compulsion and be like, what level are you doing? Did you delay it? Did you ignore it? Can I hold you back? You know, okay, no, you have to you have to ignore it or you're going to lose, you know, dessert. We can't parent like that. It is just touching base with them periodically. And then if it involves us, we pull back our accommodations. And ultimately, if our kids are involving us, we want to get them to start to manage them asking. And so my son has had a lot of moral OCD compulsions where he has to say, I'm sorry, or thank you. And in the beginning, he wanted me to say something back. So if he says, I'm sorry, I say, oh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. If he says thank you, I say, Oh, you're welcome. And so eventually I I pulled back my involvement. We talked about it. I pulled back my involvement. But then it's like, can we go another step? Can he try to avoid saying it at all? Can he try to only say it three times today or four times today? And then the next day, can he try only three times? Next week, can he only try two times a day? And I in my course I talk about reassurance cards and and how to use those as a tool to motivate them to try to pull back. Even asking the question, and so our job is to coach our kids in using those tools. If my child says something like, "Oh, I feel like I have to go wash my hands," and it's a good time, I might say, "Do you think you can delay it? If you can wait five minutes, you can earn blah blah blah." And I might gamify it. And I talk all about gamifying in my course as well because that's a key component: is offering incentives, bravery points, to motivate them to use those levels to show up for OCD in a way that is going to really be conducive to their long-term success. And so that was a lot in a short period of time to answer a very simple question of how can I stop my child's compulsions? (laughs) So I hope that you found that helpful and full of information that you can apply in your own world. If you're finding my podcast helpful, don't forget to hit a star on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher, wherever you consume your podcast. You know, I greatly appreciate that. If you have a few extra seconds, don't forget to leave a review if you can. That does really make a difference. And if you leave one, I might be reading yours to show my gratitude if I have a new one. And I do. So I want to thank Yvonne for writing a review. She wrote, your work is a godsend. Since I don't personally know anyone else dealing with this very difficult journey of parenting a child with OCD, your guidance and vulnerability in telling your own struggles has really given me hope. It's helped me to let go of my perfectionism in my parenting. Every time I listen, I walk away with a little nugget that helps me move forward in this journey. Thank you so much, Yvonne. I really appreciate that. It's nice to feel like I am helping some of you not feel alone. And I share my weaknesses and I share the things that I mess up on on purpose for you to realize that, that you're not going to do it perfect. And that even a therapist who's well-trained in it is not doing it perfect. None of us are doing it perfect. Some of us don't want to admit it, but we're not. And that's good for everyone to know, because this is an imperfectly perfect thing that we're doing. And there's no way, I don't know anyone who is just nailing it on this journey because it's trial and error. And that is how we learn. We do things and we're like, oh boy, that did not go well. Okay, well, note to self, that was too much. Tomorrow we'll do a little bit less. I do that all the time. And that's just part of being a parent to a child with anxiety or OCD. So thank you, Yvonne, for leaving that review. And maybe if you leave one, I'll be reading yours next time. So don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do. And I will be back next Tuesday. Take care.